Good evening, Wall, and welcome to episode 18 of Ferg's Footy Fanfare, the Brennan Goddard of episodes. Uh, the Alex Rance, I suppose, be a pretty overrated player at the best of times, wasn't he, Ned? Oh. Um, no, he's a pretty good player. Um, didn't do well up forward, but uh, rectified his way down back and um, became quite a sole um, contributor to the Richmond Football Club. Probably yeah. not of now, but... No, to his credit, that's it. He was a, he was very good in the back line. He was immense for them, and uh, it's good to see that he's uh, taken his faith elsewhere since he's left. With the whole, uh, I wouldn't call it scandal, perhaps just um, rumors well, spreading across that he's become a J Dub, but um, not too. What a J Dub! Yeah. Jehovah Witness. He's always yeah. been Jehovah Witness. No, he's always been one. He's just put a bit more attention into his faith these days, and wasn't that when he first left like uh one of the reasons he left to go and you know spend more time on his faith and dedicate himself uh, to it? no before his last contract signing he was contemplating retirement to focus on his faith as well which yeah. i think would have been about 2015 2016 yeah he was um yeah he was thinking about retiring and um yeah focusing more on life after football and you know being able to practice his faith a lot more each to their own but that's it. Yeah. Well, no, it's no better way to get the episode started than with a cheeky segue. Um, but in the bigger news in the AFL scheme, we're through to the preliminary finals now, two monster games. Um, you'd probably say that heading into the final series, you'd expect these four teams to be battling it out in preliminary finals. So now it's all set out. And look, at the end of the day, you've got, is it first versus fourth and second versus third is it i think yep. it is so look at pretty much exactly what you're expecting so um wait is it yeah yeah um wait first versus third yeah yeah second, and second versus, versus fourth. fourth yeah i was gonna say it has to be the yeah. same as first week of finals um but so what we'll do is we'll have a look at the games last week. Um, I know from your perspective, obviously, there's a bit to talk about in one of the games in particular. And then we'll review the upcoming games. Once again, we've made sure to record this on a Thursday evening. So the teams for tomorrow's game between Port Adelaide and Richmond are out. But firstly, we'll go back to last Friday night. And we had your mob get it done quite convincingly over my mob, 31-point winners. How did you find the game, Ned? Um, yeah, I, I honestly thought Richmond were pretty well dead in control the whole game. Um, I thought with that um, Butler goal at the end, which I will say, yes, was there. But if that hadn't, I know, if he hadn't kicked that goal, um, I think St Kilda would have been on, they would have been on the chopping board Um at quarter time, really, um, yeah, Richmond came out and played a really good first quarter. And I mean, St Kilda were able to claw their way back into the game, to their credit, and probably a bit more accuracy would have would have probably seen them, you know, really make it a tight game and make Richmond really have to earn it. But Richmond were just sort of always in that comfortable, um, you know, five to three goal buffer margin where they were never sort of really phased. They were just always in control of the game. Yeah, put, you've put it well. I would describe it in a similar pattern. I thought that just the way Richmond went about it, it the word that first came to my mind is professional, you know, professional experienced. 
you could tell that Richmond had been there plenty of times before and just their execution in the first quarter really set them up for a win. So, um, you know, and then on the other side, you had St Kilda, you know, a bit slow at the start, mm. made sure, you know, their defence was under pressure and that was because their midfield didn't rock up to start the game. And then when they started to claw some momentum back, they weren't able to convert. I know that they missed quite a few set shots yeah. from a reasonable um, position. And when you're playing against... Richmond, in the kind of form that they were in last week, you just need to make the most of those opportunities. I thought I thought St Kilda's pressure was down a bit as well. Um, just the, I thought the way that Richmond were able to manoeuvre the way out of St Kilda's forward half um, and go forward was a bit too easy, I think. Yeah. And I think yeah. you'd say the same from a St Kilda's p- perspective that, you know, Richmond was sort of able to just waltz out of defence and, you know, really hit a target on the wing, whether it was Lynch or Rewalt. Yeah, you've just reminded me something that I wanted to um, bring up about St Kilda's game style throughout that game. I noticed a lot when you had the inside contested ball, St Kilda didn't really put pressure on the man, but rather, you know, aimed at like zoning around them. So whoever the ball carrier was, whether that was Edwards, Hawley, you know, they had field days. But they were trying to block off their tar- you know, the targets to them. And when you give excellent players like that too much time, they're still going to be able to use the ball well. And I think that, um, you know, they just gave the ball carrier too much time and really didn't put enough pressure on them to, you know, have a quick kick out of their area or out of the 50. And, you know, Liam Baker was very important early on for them as well as Shy Bolton. So it was good to see that, you know, not just your regulars, but also the younger guys, you know, guys have had really big seasons, you know, starting to stand up at the most important time of the season. I noticed um, one thing watching a replay um, was Richmond utilising Dustin Martin um, around the ground. So say there'd be a stoppage, say, uh, towards the centre of the ground or, you know, between the centre of the ground and Richmond's um, um, 50-metre line, that Dustin Martin would go half forward but creep up towards the contest and sort of suck his man being the half back. I think a few times being Hunter Clark from memory and sort of creating that mindset in the defender's mind that, okay, I'm going to have to play on him now. He's playing midfield. So safe St Kilda were to win the ball and go forward that that St Kilda player would actually follow the movement of the ball and follow the play where Martin would stay forward, being that he's playing half forward, like a high half forward. And if Richmond were able to win the ball in the turnover, which they generally do in defence because they're a very good turnover side, did they create an overlap? Yeah, well, he was obviously able to have a lot of possession of the ball, Um and it looked from, I haven't obviously watched it again, but it did look that he spent a lot more time in the midfield than he had been throughout the season, not necessarily inside, but definitely, you know, making sure he was one of those available targets when the ball was able to work its way out. I think he had the most metres gained for your, maybe in the whole game, actually. Let me just see. I think so. He yeah. did. Yeah. Um, he had 597 metres gained. Next best was Jaden Short at 495 six clearances as well. So he was just making sure that he was an option once that contested ball mm. got out, I thought. And you could really notice that as well. And like you said, um, St Kilda not put in enough pressure 
on Dustin yeah. Martin. And when you do that with, you know, arguably the best player over the last five, 10 years, then, you know, you're already on the back foot. Yeah. Um, so I think you can now put to bed that um, Dusty doesn't kill St. Kilda now, mate. Oh, geez. Look, at the end of the day, I'm not too <laughs> sure, you know, I'd reckon that there was, you know, I, I think there's, Bolton... I think from, I think from memory, there's probably been two performances where I can say that Dustin's killed St. Kilda. I'll say last game of 2017, where we went to the G, I thought Dusty put on a clinic that game and I thought Dusty was quite good. Um, probably not as, um, probably wasn't as big of an impact, but I thought that, yeah. Jeez, you know, I, I'm, not too sure if, I'm not too sure if killed's the right word, in all honesty. Oh. Now, I, I think that's definitely one of the better games he's had against statistically wise, Statistically wise, I think. Well, Maybe impact-wise. Okay. I think impact-wise, Shay Bolton probably did a better job. But statistically, yeah, I think Shay Bolton. I think if you look statistically think... and impact-wise, I can name three players better off bat. I reckon that... Batcher Hooley. Batcher Hooley. I reckon Shane Edwards played better and was more damaging. And I reckon you could put a question mark over Shea Bolton. And I think that you could put a question mark over Tom Lynch as well. If he had kicked straight, then yeah, all of a he sudden... Play, he was yeah. probably nearly best on ground. Yeah. yeah. He played a very, very good game. You know, 17 touches, two goals, five. And that could have easily, easily have been five goals missed a few easy ones towards the back end mm. of the game. So although like I, I absolutely agree that Dustin Martin played a very good game, I would think that killing us is probably a bit of a stretch. It's like saying bloody yeah. Jack Billings killing you. Uh, I've got some news for you as well that um, I know uh, we're rambling on a bit, but <laughs> apparently St Kilda interested in Jack Higgins. I did hear that. Um, so I think, I think maybe a Jack for Jack. You want Loney or? I'd be happy with Billings. I think Loney's better than Billings. Jeez. Not unless we get... How about we trade? We'll go double Jack. So you can have Jack, Billings, and Jack Loney. And I want Jack Graham and Jack... Who's the other one? Higgins. Oh, you can have Jack Higgins. You can have Jack Higgins. No, 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 but I want Jack Graham as well. No, you're not having Jack Graham. You're not having well, then Jack you, Graham. there's no way you're having Jack Billy. So we've reached the stage, right. mate. <laughs> uh, I think, I think uh, Loney's quite more potent than Billings, in my opinion. Up 40 is, yeah. See, that's yeah, something I, I think... that I noticed um, throughout the game as well. Now we definitely are rambling on. But um, they had um, Jack Billings playing in the midfield and the back line. You know, I think that St Kilda was doing that. And this is, mm. you know, just my thought on it all. But they were doing that at the start of the year and Billings was getting his usual 25, you know, at 80% being, you know, really effective with the ball. But then the media attention started to go towards, oh, we're not exercising Bradley Hill as well as we should be. You know, he's not getting enough of the pill people aren't looking out for him. And then I think in the mid-season, they've made a very focal point to switch them around. So Billings has gone forward, whereas they've got Brad Hill to do that, stay in defence and, you know, try and work it out of the back line. But, I, you know, I I think that Brad Hill for his first season has had a bit of an underwhelming year. Yeah. Um, yeah, talking about Brad Hill, um, I thought he wasn't that great on um... – on last Friday, but um, like his numbers were a bit down on what he was at Fremantle. 
But I, th- I think you got to think that he's probably coming to St Kilda more of a role player. Where I think at Fremantle, he was a quite a decent player in a not very handy side. Mm-hmm. Um, is the pay packet worth it for Hill? In my opinion, probably not. I think he's probably about 100,000, 150,000 overpaid, in my opinion. But, you know, Brad Hill asking for how much he was. And I mean, it's not a dumb price if there's someone dumb enough to pay it. That's it. I think this is probably a good, well, it's a lead into a segue because, you know, um, you asked me this question throughout the week and there has been a bit of talk about over whether Jordan Dugowie, um Collingwood, uh, is worth the 900000 that he's asking for, I believe. I is it think 900? it was, I think it was initially a mil. Initially, I think it was a mil. Right. Uh, I've heard the number 900000 yeah. Um, thrown over a couple of times. So, yeah. do you think that he is worth nine hundred thousand dollars? Um, honestly, no. I, I I don't think so. Just because of his inconsistency. Um, obviously he's had a few off-field dramas, but that can be easily fixed. But I just think that he's a bit too inconsistent. Like, yeah, he can win you. He can win you a game. Kick a couple of. You know, play a few games where he kicks five or four goals, but um, I think you're better off investing in a, you know, in a player that, you know, say if you're going to get a Ford, like for example, Jeremy Cameron, they could probably kick you two or three goals a game, and have your occasional, um, you know, half a dozen or whatever. I think for mine, if you're going to going to pay big money for a player, you want them to. That's what I've thought with the Lynch deal. I think the Lynch deal hasn't been that dumb. I don't think Lynch is probably the best key forward in the game. But we paid a big price for him. And he, you know, he's generally a um, two-goal, three-goal-a-game player, generally. Yeah. And at worst, he kicks a goal. Like, he barely ever goes goalless, where I think Jordan Ngoi can sometimes really go missing. And he's obviously had his injury troubles as well. Do you think that has something to do with the team that he's at, though? We know that Collingwood, when they're not playing their best football, is, you know, susceptible to really struggling to score and get the ball into their forward half and get that contested mark. So do you think if he, you know, was able to reap the rewards at somewhere like a Richmond or a Brisbane, he might, you know, be worth that? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, obviously, as a forward, you know, supply is a big factor. Um, yeah, if you're not getting, you know, if the ball's not going forward, you're not gonna, you're not gonna kick goals. You're not gonna get the ball inside fifty. So there is always that debate, and that's always the debate about um, Dunstall and Lockett. You know how Dunstall always just get fed the ball, whereas Lockett probably had to earn it a bit more, and like other players as well. But um, yeah, in my opinion, yeah, supply, yeah, supplies, supply is key. Um, he probably could be a good player to, if he goes to a team with supply. The teams that are after him, like Carlton, mm. uh, is it Carl? I think Carlton's really the only one that's really standing out. Maybe Essendon. I can't remember if Essendon, but um, I think I think I think he'll stay. Um, in my opinion, I can't see him going anywhere else. If he's going to go anywhere else, he's only going to go somewhere better, and I don't think anywhere better has the salary cap. Yeah. No, I think that's put pretty well. So. Uh, will lead into the second semi-final between Geelong and Collingwood. And um, well, we uh, haven't even launched into the Richmond Port game, really. Oh, did you want to? Oh, no, oh. no, we'll do the. 
we'll do yeah, we'll do the second semi and then we'll talk about the bigger game. Yeah. Yeah. So the we second prelude. You know, we had um Geelong and Collingwood give an absolute, you know, yeah. Geelong taught them a lesson. Uh, I don't think they kicked their second goal till about a third of the way through the last quarter. Um, I'm not too sure if you watched it, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, I watched bits and pieces and I watched bits and pieces of replay. Um, Geelong just did it too easy. Uh, um, Abler could have easily kicked the first two goals and he gave them off. Um, yeah. yeah I, I think Collingwood, so from my analysis from that game from Collingwood, they were spent. I reckon they played their, their grand final last week. And also, I think they thought that it might just sort of come to them or sort of just happen. Like they'd somehow find their way into the game without really having to fully work their way into it. That makes any sense. Yeah. No, I think that it was a really good illustration to show Geelong, who I think played their best football. I don't think that they can play any better than they did on Saturday. And I don't think Collingwood could play any worse than they did on Saturday night as well. So... And Collingwood would be disappointed with that, considering how well they played and, you know, all the hurdles both inside their, you know, inside the footy field and outside that they had to do to get over West Coast last week. They'd be really disappointed. And I think you're spot on when you said they played their grand final last week. But um, I heard a really good analogy throughout the week. And it's, you know, it's like cricket. You need to go every time you go out to bat, you need to act as if, you know, it's the first ball again. You know, you don't just go out and start... Mm you know, start smashing sixes in a five-day test match and all that. So um, you know, run, run, Runs on the board are good though, mate. It's always yeah. good to have the runs on the board. For some people, yeah, sure. Sixes and fours increases your scores. <laughs> no, you got five days to do that. Anyway, I'm not getting stuck into that because we'll be here all night. It's a pretty contentious topic. Yeah. Uh, also, are we, are we going to do a cricket program as well? Uh, well, I, I was thinking about that. I was, I was trying to keep it behind closed doors, but there is a potential we should probably swing it into the uh, cricket over the summer months. So I think got to keep the uh, listeners entertained. Yeah, uh, even though cricket's probably not um, as much more popular as um, AFL. I know uh, Tyler Buchanan, he really gets up and about around, um, <laughs> you know, around the test series. He, um, he's an absolutely, he, he loves cricket season. No, he loves his cricket. Yeah, I know that we've got a few listeners that would be more than happy to, you know, chime in. We've got the Sheffield Shield starting this week as well, which has seen some awesome games already. I'm not sure if you saw the photos between Queensland and Tasmania. Oh, was that when they were all um was that yeah, when they were all um around around, you know, like pretty much all in, riding yeah, close spot to on. bold. Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that's it. No, it's just good energies at times. We'll go back to the footy. Yeah. Football season. Let's let's keep it footy related. That's it. All right. So Geelong did the job easy. Um, you know they got, although Ablett didn't touch the ball. I think he only had three possessions or something. You know, three very valuable posies and did a lot of work around the ground. They had Hawkins four, Dangerfield four, Duncan three. Yeah, Dangerfield four. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're Geelong, pardon me. Do you play Dangerfield forward? Or do you play him in the midfield? I think it all depends on how the game's going. Um, I think going into Saturday night, I think they will start him up forward. Um, 
a bit, and then that'll just depend on how the first quarter goes. If they're on a run, I think the most important thing for them next week, and we'll oh sorry, in a couple of days' times, and we'll talk about that. Is they got to make sure they don't do what Collingwood did, you know, celebrate yeah. a big win. You know, they need to come out and play as if it's a brand new game, brand new opposition, because you know. Brisbane are arguably the second best team in the comp or right up there. And, you know, they're probably favourites against Geelong at this stage. I haven't checked the bookies. I haven't got in touch with uh, your cousin. Yeah, I think I think Brisbane, because they are premiership favourites, so you'd logically think that they are favourites to beat Geelong. Yeah, fair enough. Um, does that lead us into something that you wanted to bring up? Is that from... Um... The TAB bookies. Yes, it is. Yeah. So um, this is your segment. Can't be doing that. And you can follow on after me. So my can't be doing that. And I heard this on the radio. I think it was either Monday or Tuesday. And um, the old man actually also picked it out. He actually picked it out first. And um, so I've got the photos from whenever day I screenshotted it from TAB. Um, I'll be able to tell you when it was. So Tuesday. So the premiership market with the final four remaining teams, Brisbane, $3.40, Richmond, $3.80, Port Adelaide, $4.00, Geelong, $4.25. Now, the head-to-head for each game, Port Adelaide, $1.85 to Richmond, $1.95. So TAB, I think there needs to be a bit of common sense. How can Richmond be favourites ahead of Port Adelaide if you don't even have Richmond as favourites <laughs> ahead of no. Port Adelaide in the game? Like, you can't be doing that, you know. And um, I know yourself, like me, um, you know, we um, we all thrive for common sense. We um, now we believe that common sense always prevails. But in this, um, you know, the bookies they've got this completely wrong because I don't see how you can have Richmond favourites to win the premiership but aren't favourites to win the game to get into the grand final to win the premiership. Yeah, that's it. I reckon if, you know, there'd be some way to make some money out of that. I haven't done the yeah, thinking um, behind it. We'll have to, we'll have to consult our cousin, uh, expert gambling cousin about that. Yeah. Counting cards, Costa. So now I want to go to uh, my part. Um, and you know me and everyone that knows me knows diehard St Kilda fan. Strength through loyalty, you know, till the day I die kind of stuff. Uh, what's that in Latin? What's that in Latin? Fortius quo fidelis. You know, everything Lovely. about it. Let's, Beautiful. you know, name it out. You know, you name it. But my you can't be doing this is aimed at the St. Kilda Football Club this week. So on, I think it was Monday night, they had the Trevor Barker medal, their best and fairest, which Jack Steele came on top of, out, came out on top quite convincingly. Uh, at one part, they had one of their trainers come in and just give it, you know, a speech, you know, completely open to members via a video link for anyone to watch. And what he's done here is he's had a dig at former St Kilda player, now dog, Josh Bruce. So I'll bring up the transcript. It says something along the lines of, you get the guy who does five 100-meter efforts in a row and instead of grabbing the first water bottle out of the hands of the nearest trainer, will wait patiently until everyone else has had a drink and then they'll have a drink. They won't just grab it, take a drink, drench their head and then chuck it under their arm for no one else to have a crack. 
which some players do, not mentioning Josh Bruce. Now, I will state I do not have all of the knowledge that I'd like. Context is important here. Perhaps they're, you know, quite close and they've remained quite close while they're um, at different clubs. But if they're not and they're merely just acquaintances these days, I think that's pretty poor form to have a dig at, you know, a player that wanted to stay at the club originally and kind of got shoved out the door to make way for other players. I just think that um, mm. that's poor form and you can't be doing that. Well, there's... In my opinion, um, it's always seen blunt on it, but there's there's not much to really, you know, debate about that. You know, Josh the, Bruce might be like, he might be a thirsty fella. That's it. And, you know, right. like, I don't really know is. how you can try like, and yeah. insult blokes that are running 3Ks in, you know, like six, seven minutes and all that. It doesn't make much sense to me how you can have a go you know, at someone if, you, doing if you're that. thirsty, if you're thirsty, you're bloody thirsty. So, yeah. like, I, th- I think, yeah, that's a real big turn it up on that bloke that, you know, yeah, so hopefully there's some that. there's some circumstances behind it that make it more allowable. But if not, you can't be doing that, and that's pretty disappointing. Yeah, if that's not a cheeky dig, then um, that that's pretty piss poor from from my view. All right, so we got the preliminary final starting tomorrow night. We've got your mob up against Tyler's mob. That is Port Adelaide versus Richmond. Um. What, what's important for the Tigers here to get the win tomorrow and make it into their third grand final in four years? Uh, Richmond just need to be clean around the contest, um, stick their tackles, um, clean with disposal, and just discipline. Don't don't do stupid stuff. Don't don't give away unnecessary fifties or unnecessary free kicks. Go out there, play professional, clean with the ball, good hard tackles that stick, and that that that'll win them the game. Do you believe that the Adelaide crowd will have any will have a significant influence on the game, or do you feel like your blokes are experienced and mature enough to kind of overlook that? Um, well, Richmond are very well accustomed to play in front of big crowds. Whether that's the crowds are generally in their favour or not, I don't know because you know grand finals you can see that it's generally around a fifty-fifty sort of mark. Um, obviously a you know, the Collingwood crowd, you know, really loud in um, a prelim a couple of years ago. And, yeah, I think – and obviously having the experience of um, the qualifying final against Brisbane twice, um, I think I think it will have a factor. But whether that's a factor big enough, which is my key for Port Adelaide, is I have to get the crowd involved. Port Adelaide, you know, they can't afford to give up the first two goals of the game. I think they, they have to go out and kick the first goal or kick the first two or at least, you know, the first, the first you know, three out of four or whatever. Yeah. You so know, they, they really – they have to get that crowd up and about or else, you know, if vice versa, Richmond kick the first two or kick the first three out of four, then the crowd's going to be quite out of it unless – Port, you know, really claw their way back in. Yeah, so the team list came out about an hour ago. Um, no changes by either side. So how do you feel that Nankervis, you know, he's um, solely or he's going to have the majority of the ruck duties. How do you feel like he'll be able to go up against two ruckmen in Scott Lyser and Peter Laddams? Yeah, look, um, I think... Sorry to say, but I thought last week was Nankervis' probably best performance for the year. 
He did a very. I thought, I th- I thought, I thought that he was I thought dominant he played very over, well. Yeah, I thought that he was dominant over Marshall. And, yeah, and he did play quite well against West Coast. Um. So yeah, I think Nan Curvis will play. You know, he'll he'll play a lot of ruck, but um, there are other options, obviously with Bolter or Asprey, probably whoever's feeling up to it, and and maybe whoever's playing a better game. You know, if Bolter's really struggling down in defence. He might push up and do a bit of a ruck roll or vice versa. Asprey's struggling. Um, and this is the thing that I think that's going to be really thrilling about this game is that Charlie Dixon had a, you know, he had a real cracker um, in the first quarter. But is he going to get let off the hook now with Asprey now back down back? And we know what Asprey is like as a, you know, just as a genuine one-on-one defender, you know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't allow you to um, run rings around him or take easy easy marks. So I think that might allow Bolter to free up and um, maybe grab some intercepts. So you're going to ha- – so you're, you're certain that Asprey will go to Dixon or is that just how you'd have it? Do you think they'll put Bolter on him or – I say Bolter is another Alex Rance, in my opinion, the role that he plays. You know, he reads the ball quite well. He's very good in the air, um, very agile around the ground. So I think you have the – if you have someone like a good lockdown defender like Asprey on um, Dixon, um, then Bolter – oh, that makes Bolter's life easy coming in to intercept and then vice versa with Bolter coming in to intercept makes Asprey's life a bit easier knowing that Bolter's going to come and cover. Yeah. No, fair enough. I think there's going to be an absolute cracking contest. Um, I'll be really interested to see when you think about and you know the um, game that they played earlier this season. Richmond had quite a number of outs, and it was still quite an enthralling game up until that last quarter. Um, I think Portsmouth had a few out as well from memory. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I do Richmond, remember them. Richmond did have a lot more key outs, I think, than what Port did. So it will be, yeah, it will be quite an thrilling game. Yeah, so you think the, you know, the two different game styles, obviously Richmond huge on trying to allow turnovers, whereas Port Adelaide really tries to get their job done in the middle and in the clearance and contested mm. balls. So tip time. Now, we both got one last week and through the margins that we've had, it is extremely tight. So we're both locked on three and the current margin deficit I have at 159 and you are 163. So there's four points separating us at the moment. Mm. Who have you picked for tomorrow night's game and by how much? Well, I got a message from Tyler today. Um, he's very keen for Friday night. And I said, I would be too, knowing that my team's going to walk into a grand final. Oh, I think, I think Port Adelaide will win by 12 points. Wow. Yeah. I I was going to be interested to see whether you'd go that more optimistic approaches rather than a realism, but it's see, it's seen fit that we've had such a tight battle in all of the tipping this year. I, I get it. You know, you want to stay close you don't want to throw a tip away like I did last week, so that's fair yeah, enough. Yeah, no, I think I, th- I think the home ground advantage will probably just you know be that sort of two goal margin. I mean, you play it in a neutral venue. I think probably Richmond are the better side, but I think that home crowd from Port Adelaide will be um, quite huge. And Port Adelaide play Adelaide Oval 
you know, very well. You know, that's why it's called the Portress. <laughs> I just get, can't wait. Um, blurt out some in excess tomorrow and all that. Um, I'm going to go Port Adelaide by 10. So once again, I, I'd be preferring if Richmond won, just based on, you know, people surround us, work and family and all that. But, um, you know, I think that for whatever reason, I've continued to kind of push Port Adelaide off to the side this year. So, and they've been in first place this whole season. So I can't really see any reason why it would stop now when they've got everything falling into their lap in terms of home ground and all that. So be a great game though, nonetheless, hopefully. I just want to drop a quick gag. So um, we know obviously throughout the early 2000s and throughout probably later on that Port quite known for choking in finals. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Same seemed, in, I th- infamous Choco 04 celebration. And um, I think it seems quite fitting that they actually played an excess song at the start of their games. Um, yeah, boom, boom. Um, that's, that's a nice little gag there. <laughs> Jeez, you better, hope, you better hope that this bloody podcast never makes it onto the other side of that border, mate. <laughs> be a wanted man over yeah, there. The, the PC police are going to be out for us. Ah, it's all right. The city of churches one. over there, they're nothing but God's children. I think that's all the wine drinkers at the um <laughs> at the courthouse football club, Adelaide Crows. Found it in a courthouse. But um no, good on Port Adelaide. Um, you know, they, they could be looking to um win a premiership in their twenty-third year. Jeez, okay. Well, before we get a bloody price on your head, I think that we should move to the other preliminary <laughs> final. <laughs> Yeah, just um, a hit. It's not 150. <laughs> it's 23 years. There, I said it. Oh, boy. I reckon you could have one of our eight listeners starting to crack it on there. You, probably, you and Tyler might not make it to the full-time siren tomorrow night. Uh, I highly doubt it. I can imagine all Tyler the flogging can get quite up. aggressive. He can get quite aggressive. <laughs> all right, Saturday night uh, at the Gabba. Um, actually, before we start that, I just want your take on um, the turf being delivered from the MCG to the Gabba. What's your take on that? Um, I know we don't condone um, profanity on this, but I think it's a load of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, what's the bloody point? The AFL seem to be saying that they're struggling financially. They've yeah. had to sack employees. Somehow they can deliver, you know, a goal squares worth of turf up to the Gabba. Yeah, that's a real can't be doing that moment. Yeah, as well. that's, that is. That's um, yeah, that's um, not good, not good. No, spot on. I mean, really, like, you think the cost associated with sending a bloke up in a bloody truck to deliver a slab of grass over to the stadium just for some kind of? It's not even a physical advantage. It's just some kind oh, of. It's just for a niche. It's just yeah, for a niche. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's to. That's um. I think it puts quite a bad image on you know how other states would view like the Victorians for as well. Something along the lines of, oh, they've always got to be a part of it, you know, even though we've been able to save their whole season and all that. I just think that it's, there's no need for it really. Yeah. The Victorian teams should just worry about making the grand final maybe. And then that's, that's where Victoria will have their mark. That's right. And Geelong's going to have their work cut out for them. Seeming they're playing Brisbane at home. Um, have you got any key takes on this game? 
Brisbane need to play four quarters. Um, I think you can't really sleep against Geelong. Geelong such a professional outfit. They, um, you know, have superstars everywhere along the ground, forward, midfield, and defence. Um, you can't really go to sleep against Geelong. Um, for Brisbane, I mean, for Geelong, they just need to be in the game at three quarter time. I think if they're if they're within a goal at three quarter time, I think they'll back themselves in. Um, you know, the good clearance power they have. Um, they've been generally quite a solid defense over the last few years. They, I think, and but this is where they really need to, um, you know, we haven't seen it from Geelong um, from the last few prelims and knockout finals. Is that real urgency and desperation? And I think this is the perfect time to do it. You know, playing Brisbane at the Gabba, home crowd advantage for Brisbane. This is where Geelong can really, you know, put that whole finals um, under Chris Scott to bed if they can win this one. Yeah. Um, I, you know, similar to what I said earlier on, I think that Geelong needs to, you know, start fresh uh, and, you know, almost completely forget about what happened last week, completely different game and all that. I, I think that it's going to be an incredibly difficult task. Although in saying that, I feel that if any team is going to be able to do it, then it will be Geelong. But they're going to have to play their best football. I think that's the only way that Geelong will get the job done. Um, We saw it earlier on in the season, although it was at the SCG, I believe. They managed to kick a a seven-goal unanswered quarter. And they just did that solely through domination in the midfield. So it'll be interesting to see if they decide to get Dangerfield in the midfield, Mm. Um, you know, really try and just overload them in that part of the ground. Yeah, and I think Brisbane. I think also Brisbane have to come in, not too over their heads. Like they they knocked off Richmond, who we debate is probably the best side in the comp. Um, you know, Brisbane can't really come in too big headed. You know, if they come in too big headed and sort of like what Collingwood did, you know, thinking that it might just happen for him. Mm-hmm. And we know we know what Geelong are capable of that. Yeah. Um, you know, Geelong just outwork Brisbane. That's it. Well, I, it's my genuine belief that if you had every single team playing in their best form, um, or I think the Richmond's game style is the best that, you know, to be adopted in a final sense. But I think if, when you put all the teams together, Geelong plays the best football. And when they're playing, yeah, Geelong, the when, they're on, when they're on, they're the best. Yeah. Yes. I so, agree um, unfortunately, I I don't think they'll be able to get the job done considering Brisbane hasn't lost at the Gabba this year. And, you know, just based on the way... Neither has Geelong, though. Geelong have not lost to the Gabba either. That is true. And look, you know, they've had um, some... You know, Brisbane have had some closer games up there. But look, I'm going to tip Brisbane by seven points. Yeah, you've you've read my mind, Jay. I think Brisbane might actually do this a bit easier. I think Brisbane will win by 26 points. I think if that that crowd really gets involved and... um, and like we saw last time in Brisbane, if the boys in yellow seem to mm-hmm. um, swing towards one one more wing than the other, I think um, and I think this is Gill's master plan that they want Brisbane in the grand final. So I think Brisbane will be playing in the grand final because that's the AFL's master plan. They want Brisbane in the grand final. They want a Queensland team in the grand final for their Queensland grand final. Brisbane will be playing in the grand final. Right. Has he got any other master strokes up his sleeve for the Port Adelaide Richmond game or? Um, no, 
Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I, I saw a few funny things though about how St Kilda, your mob seemed to bag Gill a lot. Uh, I did see this. This and, is you tagged me. And, and uh, funnily enough, who does Gil McLaughlin actually support? Well, I see this. I didn't know this until about two weeks ago, but he's a St Kilda St fan. Kilda supporter. Yeah, yeah he's a St Kilda supporter. So. Yeah. Um, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't be doing that. You know, there is. Ah, uh, look, you know, uh, yeah. I, I think he does a pretty good, uh, he does a pretty good job of not being biased. He, um, but yeah, yeah you, look, can't I think he that, you can't be saying that Gil has it out for St Kilda because, nah. you know, I think if he's going to have any, any, any ties, I think, you know, uh, no, that's loyalty it. will um, overcome. That's it. Strength through loyalty all the time, baby. No, um, yeah, I think both of them line up. Uh, I can't really remember a time where you've had uh, kind of the four teams up top being, you know, a- any of them can really win it on their day. Normally you go into one, similar to the Richmond-St Kilda game last week where, you you know, you've got a clear favourite. Um, there's no clear favourite here, you know, and I can't really remember yeah, the last this is, time. Yeah, this is really, yeah, thrilling. Um, yeah, we can't really remember where, you know, that both prelims have been... Um, really clear cut on who's going to win. Obviously um, last year, Richmond Geelong was going to be always quite close. Last year we thought Collingwood were going to get the job done against yeah. CWS. Yeah. We thought and that then, was going um, to be a convincing Geelong win. 2018, we thought Richmond would beat Collingwood and we thought that um, West Coast would beat Melbourne. And then 2017, Richmond probably over GWS. Adelaide were going to flog Geelong. Adelaide flogged Geelong. So mm-hmm. yeah, generally there's always been that one sort of clear, prelim where you think and it's generally the team that finishes on top there you go yeah they'll they'll win this they've been the best team all year but yeah it's really hard to decide these two um i richmond port's a lot harder to decide than um brisbane geelong in my opinion but yeah they both close games yeah absolutely well um that leaves um, also oh. i've got for you so we discussed this so, I suppose we'll do it for both games and we might do a poll on it um, mm. for each respective game. Who's most under the pump for each game from you and yep. why? Okay, so for the Port Adelaide-Richmond game, I think the Port Adelaide's most under the pump. Um, I think that you could make a valid argument to why Richmond's under the pump. You know, I think... Yeah, they've got every team there. Every team their own respects under the pump. That's exactly right. So I think Port Adelaide's more under the pump because they've been the best team all season. They've been first place. They're playing at home, and look, I may as well speak. I think that Brisbane's more under the pump than Geelong as well, um, and and that's purely down to the home side. You know, haven't lost since final series last year. They, um, I think they played their best footy of the season against Richmond two weeks ago. So I think everything leads to those two teams to be playing in a grand final. That doesn't necessarily mean that Richmond and Geelong are going to come in with that underdog kind of motivation where they have nothing to lose. But I think that the Richmond and Port Adelaide just have more to lose. Brisbane and Port Adelaide. Sorry, Brisbane, Sorry. yeah. Yeah, look, uh, I'll agree with you on Port Adelaide. I think, yeah, when you're the benchmark team all year, obviously you're the one that everyone looks at um, throughout the year. And obviously having a home final, you know, probably the best home ground advantage they can nearly have in the AFL this year. So, yeah, I think Port's more under the pump. I think, yeah, 
You know, we know what they're capable of. They've got to deliver. For mine in the Brisbane-Geelong game, I've gone with a different method. I've gone with um, Geelong under the pump. Most under the pump. Just because of the fact of their, you know, we know what they're like in prelims and they haven't been able to get, you know, that climb that next hurdle. And I think, I still don't think this Brisbane side's fantastic. I don't think, I, th- I still think out of the top four sides that they're probably fourth in my opinion. Obviously, they beat Richmond. But I think, um, you know, Geelong on paper are a better side than this Brisbane side. And I think they'd be more under the pump because, I mean, if they don't, you know, if they crash out in another prelim, well, you know, how many years has that been now? They've crashed out in a prelim semifinal. And that's something that we'll talk about in um, ongoing episodes, regardless of what eventuates, is that, there will be huge question marks around the Geelong camp about how, if they do not win the premiership this year, about where to next year. Um, there's been whispers and trade rumours regarding Jeremy Cameron. Uh, but there will be serious question marks, you know, with an ageing list and a coach that hasn't been able to get them to win the final dance uh, other than any... I mean, he did, he did. Yeah, he did inherit a very good team. Though. I yeah. think you're right. Could have coached that team to a to premiership yeah so big question marks will be asked in the Geelong camp if there is no win either on Saturday night or next Saturday night yeah all right um have you also got a quick tip for the our loyal listeners at home for the NRL grand final who's going to make it ah uh, yeah so NRL grand final um so I actually picked both of them right if you can recall oh, that. Okay. I, both of them I think right. you did yeah. I remember you picking the bombs. Um, I, I always I, I always said whoever won out of the bunnies and the knights would be playing in a prelim. Um, I thought Canberra didn't come out of against the sharks. They didn't come out of really third gear, and I thought yeah they could have the potential to beat the roosters. Even though I think the roosters are probably nearly the best team all year, they just didn't put it together on the night. Um, so I'll be going. Uh, I'm going to be going to Penrith Raiders grand final. I think. For okay. mine, so I think Penrith will get the job against South Sydney. Penrith being the benchmark team all year. Nathan Cleary is an absolute superstar. Um, and Canberra, um, Jack White is starting to come up to the plate, and um, you know a lot of other players like Bateman and um, Williams, Papali are really starting to play really well for Canberra. So I think, um, you know, unless you know Pappenhausen pulls his finger out or. And we, I, I don't even know if Munster's playing or not. Yeah, I haven't heard either. But it really yeah, seems. Yeah, I know. Like I know he trained. I know. I know he trained, but I don't know um, how fit he was. But I think, and Canberra have generally had the wood over Melbourne of late as well. Teams at Canberra seem to gel at the right time of the year, which is what you want. Um, I, yeah. I'm going to go different. I think that it's going to. I think that Penrith will make it through. Think that the Rabbitohs are just too inconsistent. We've seen it in both their finals. They so have been far. the high-scoring team. They've been the high-scoring team though in in finals. I think this year. Yeah, and, and but I, they I think... they are they are pretty terrible in defense. Though they do concede a lot, but they 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 generally score a lot. They generally do um, concede a lot. Yeah, I think Penrith will get the job done. I think they'll be playing the Storm. Can't pretty you know. And then who wins that? Who wins oh, that? Jeez. Look, you'd probably have to go with Penrith. They've been the team to beat this season. They've been clear favourites. I think they've beat, mm. they definitely beat the Storm once. They might have even beat them twice. Mm. 
perhaps. Yeah, just the I, I, th- so, I think I don't know why, but I've grabbed. I'm, I'm on the green machine. I think I think the green machine might go all the way this year. I think you know there's a lot of that Canberra milk, mate. <laughs> There's um no I've been drinking a lot of dare <laughs> no but I think there I think there is a lot of fire in the belly and I think you know especially last week over getting over the roosters I think they really they they probably generally genuinely believe now and I think there's still fire in the belly from last year mm. but we'll end on an AFL note a bit of Ned's nuggets of knowledge so this is to put Tyler's Port Adelaide mob under the pump um so Ned's nuggets of knowledge. Port Adelaide could be the first minor premiers since 2017 to make the grand final, provided they win. Only three times, though, in the 2010s has the minor premier winners missed out on a grand final, that being Fremantle 2015, Richmond 2018, and Geelong 2019. Jeez. Well, there you go. So, yeah, another reason why we say that the pressure's on Port to get the job done tomorrow. Um it's going to be an excellent weekend of finals, hopefully. I wish you the best of luck in your endeavours tomorrow night and watching. Um, I hope for your sake that the Tigers get up. And, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So thanks for joining us again, Ned, and thanks to everyone that's listening. We really enjoy your support. Yeah. So thank you. And see thank you, you later. very much. See you.